0: Okay, welcome to episode 13 of the Island Green, and this is the Baker's Dozen, by the way, Nick. Uh, the, this, I would have to say, the biggest episode that we've, we just, you know.
1: I think so. We're, like climbing, a, we're climbing a hill here, and we keep getting to the...
0: We're, yeah, uh, we have Bob Weeks, the Bob Weeks. Not Bob Weeks down the street, you know, whatever. <laughs> the Bob Weeks who's been in media and uh, he's coming on a little bit later. And we're so, we'll talk about the pre the yeah. ritual to that. Um, but before anything else, um, and this is in something that we've been following for a long time. And I've meant to mention it a long time ago, but I am so happy to report that Maverick Bishop is now home on the island, isolating as we speak. He has been released from the hospital. And uh, for those of you who listen to this and have no idea what we're talking about, um, Maverick is Woody Bishop's son. Um, he's uh, he's the GM out there at Glasgow Hills. And his son has had, good Lord, six heart yeah, surgeries. I think at
1: minimum five or six open-heart yeah, surgeries.
0: Yeah, and they had a... All I remember, that they had this, thing, I think it was called Fontan, you know, procedure or whatever over in Halifax and they were hoping that it worked and it didn't. And so and they went up to Toronto and anyway, all of that being said, um, God, I seen a video of him today and I was in tears. He just walking out of the hospital and... It's crazy. Just like
1: after the surgeries and even before he goes in, kind of Woody will put a picture up of him and he's just, he's
0: smiling in every picture. Yep. You know, he's... So I mean, obviously, <clears throat> obviously, shout out to to uh, Woody and and the family. Um, I can't tell you actually how much we appreciate the updates as well, because um, I know it must be so so tough. And I and I hope that uh, hope that everything's going well. Uh, obviously,
1: he's in he's uh, he's channeling his inner Lenny. He's got into the yoga. Yeah, or I m- saw me- that meditation. Meditation. meditation, meditation. That's stuff. next. That's I that. should do
0: that mid round. Um, but. Uh, and Nick Felino gave him a little uh, yeah. little tweet out there. Hockey uh, players are pretty good. Hockey, the hockey players are the best kind, uh, for sure. Anyway, um, so yeah, I uh, can't wait to see both of them, uh, all all of them, uh, and and congrats and what a what a rock star that guy is. Um, our pretty pretty big week, I'd say in in golf, um, and I. I it just happened, you know. We're we're recording this on Monday night, a little early for us. But back
1: in the winner's circle.
0: The, uh, this is, hey Mike, that's for you, buddy. <laughs> uh, congratulations, Mike Weir, on the big Senior Tour, uh, Senior Tour Champions Tour uh, event. And as Lenny uh, alluded to earlier, you will hear
1: in our interview with Bob Weeks. I don't want to say it was a premonition, but we rec- <laughs> we recorded the interview before. <coughs> the tournament, and there was
0: talk of a breakthrough coming soon, so so we were lucky enough to have him last week last Thursday and uh Bob and and it, what an um that was just awesome we're gonna get to that in a second, but that was just awesome but one of the parts you'll have to listen to this because there's a premonition in there like you just said, Nick, that after Mike Weirwan, we won, we kind of messaged each other <laughs> and like what what the heck yeah. just happened. Anyway, because obviously we wanted to talk about Mike, Weir with Bob Weeks, and uh, anyway, so make sure you stay tuned for that. That's coming up in a little bit. Um, and we first
1: win in thirteen—was it thirteen,
0: thirteen years? His first victory. Yeah, they said his last win was the 2007 Fries Open, and last year Fries closed all of their stores. <laughs> they are no longer in business. Yeah. So that just goes to show you—it's been a while. Um, but, uh, that was, that was unreal. And, and ironically, I guess, um, you know, last episode or two last episode, we had Chris on two episodes ago and, uh, him, him and his John Daly stories and it ends up being John Daly who was giving him a run until the 18th hole.
1: Well, yeah, I mentioned before we came on the episode, I said, it's, it's crazy to think that a couple weeks ago when he was contending in, um, the color guard that he was in the lead, and he had a guy come kind of almost chase him down, play real well on Sunday. Mike stumbled a little bit, but, you know, uh, the other guy chased him down, played great Sunday, and, and wins. And then this week, Mike played good on Sunday, but Daly kind of stumbles on 18, and Mike's able to kind of slip into first and, and take home the W. So it just goes to show you that there's many ways to win on tour. You don't have to lead, You don't have to lead wire to wire, like really,
0: you know. Man— i can't i don't I still don't understand how these guys do it. like they have to have full time like therapists to figure out how to handle themselves under pressure, you know like on those last you know last holes, your heart's going. I mean yes, you have a routine, but man, just one slight i mean we all know one slight hiccup in any swing, and we're talking in the water, and this is at the highest level man i'm just it's so so impressive to me. Do you think
1: the players at the highest level, their demeanor changes on 18
0: if they're up by one or down by one? A hundred percent. I think I've witnessed that a number of times. I was thinking about that actually, because Mike, obviously, if you saw the lag putt that he made on, like, he left it at least three feet short. Right. And you're like, um, I know you had two to get in, but then I, you know, then, uh, the other fellow there, he he missed his putt. So he, he did have a little bit of, you know, he, he now had two putts from three feet. But I really do think that guys, for the most part, if they know that they've got two putts to win, it's like no big deal. You saw him
1: fist pump after he hit his second shot on oh, yeah. 18. Yeah. You know, he does that because he knows I have the lead. Yep. I'm pretty safely going to two putt. Yep. probably get the victory whereas if you're one down on 18 and you hit an iron shot to the middle of the green obviously
0: you're not fist pumping because no, you're thinking no and the other thing that helped is uh oh God, i keep wanting to say plicanic <laughs> it's not plicanic petrovic It'll, petrovic oh, that was close anyway one guy wears a <laughs> like a turtleneck on the anyway but uh <clears throat> um yeah i mean i actually just tuned in i was trying to find it and then i found it on the golf channel and petrovic had already hit and so it was over on the left so i mean really Chances him chipping in for birdie to tie, and even still, Mike still had a putt to go to eleven. So,
1: and obviously, super pumped for Weir. Like, long time coming, you know, awesome. But I just wish it wasn't Daly
0: He had to do that too, because everyone loves when John Daly wins too.
1: When like. Daly, <laughs> would, if Daly would have won, yeah,
0: yeah, that would be incredible. The other thing is, I'm and not that it's an, an asterisk by any stretch of the imagination, but a little weird situation with it only being thirty six holes. Mm-hmm. Just. Uh, I, I think the weather cut it short. Um, they only play fifty-four holes, though. Do they, or do they play full seventy-two? Fifty-four. Okay, that's what I—that's what I was thinking in my head. Cause anyway, that uh, one of the one of the Saturday round I think was a rainout. But anyway, it doesn't matter. If win's the golf
1: gods align, daily wins next week or something, <clears and> everybody <throat>
0: wins. Yep, <laughs> that'd be yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty awesome. Um, so, it, speaking of our our, our tournaments. Um, and we got lots of golf talk to talk about as far as local stuff. Yes. Um, I think pretty much every course has an opening date. Um, the big ones in town that just came through, um, which is Fox and Belvedere, they're both opening up on the 7th this Friday.
1: Drove by Fox Meadow and I was able to see a couple of the greens. And also, Paul McCormick uh, did an update from the course. And those are great. Yeah. They the course looks like, well, in his own words, the best, best there's ever been since he's been there. And yeah, that's 12 a long years. Time.
0: Yeah. 12 years, he said. Uh By the way, Paul, if you listen to this, keep those updates and, and that information coming. I mean, I don't know if everybody else enjoys it as much as I do, but, like, I just love I love hearing the things behind the scenes that, you know, like, you know, we get to just go out and play the end result, right? Like, you know, but some of the stuff that he's got, like, that he mentions, especially coming up into opening day, um i i thought it was great like they were adding new bunkers and what's the reason for that and you know like these little small little clips they're they're great
1: i think a lot of people have kind of come around on the fact that they enjoy that stuff too right the agronomy side of the courses that's a big word agronomy yeah
0: what does agronomy mean
1: like the grass growing
0: i thought that's like horticulture
1: no that's plant growing
0: Uh, agronomy okay buddy all right
1: um so, and it's because you have guys like a Paul McCormick, who's on you know he got um, Chris Curry, yep, younger guys yep. who are in that side. He of He would business. definitely know
0: what agronomy is. Correct,
1: <laughs> he would know what agronomy is. <laughs> yeah. um, when Christo's updates and he's, he'll take a video and stuff, man, people are, people get interested in that kind of stuff now, just the same as people get interested in seeing what clubs and equipment are out there. So, I like I like the updates as well.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to think, like, what would I be more? I think. You know, I, there's no question. The, the equipment side's definitely more interesting to me, uh, but that stuff's pretty interesting, though. It's it's getting there. Like you're, I think I'm one of those people you're talking about.
1: Some people still have probably the same like kind of mindset of the, you know, the superintendent from Caddyshack, where he's like these grizzled old guys <laughs> we are getting to, you know, stay away from. I mean, and don't work. Trust me, there's still some of those guys out there in the business, uh, yeah, uh, yep. for sure. Yep. But you do have now younger guys who are, you know playing side plus uh, agronomy side. <laughs> so, uh, no, like I said, opening dates everywhere.
0: <clears throat> P- and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, pretty much, I think, uh, what's the one, the later one? I think even Glasgow originally, and this might have something to do with Maverick because obviously he, him being the, the GM out there, and Woody, or sorry, would he be in the GM out there? I don't know if they... Would have changed their their opening date or not, but I think they have actually moved up their opening date as well uh, to the May 14th. Last I last I heard, which is which is awesome. I can't wait to have them all open. So, uh, did you play any golf last week?
1: Uh, I played on the weekend, uh, Sunday afternoon. I played out at Stanhope. Uh, opening date Stanhope was Friday, uh, sorry Thursday, and it was very busy. Um, Friday and Saturday not so much because of the weather, but Sunday was nicer weather, still a little cool and windy. Um so if it was 40k winds in P- Charlottetown, it was add 15 when you go to the Bayshore Bayshore Road. Yep. So I played Sunday afternoon with uh, Nick Reardon and Jamie McIntyre and um Jeff McDowell. So it was windy, it was I didn't I didn't play particularly well. Uh, what did, so you, it was, was bad. I played there, I played fairly there's poorly. There's always money on the line, isn't there? Yeah, there was. We lost poor, very badly. Okay. All right. So Fair enough. So me and Nick lost. We just didn't play our best golf together. Fair. Um, <laughs> and Jamie's... I played with Jamie twice already this year, and I think he's been under par both days, so he's off to a very good start. Um, he should just leave the driver in the trunk of his car, though. Um, <laughs> he would have been... Th- He would have been five under par if he didn't bring his driver with him. You got to be careful here because when we get these guys on, this is exactly what they're going to, you're going to get some rebuttal here. Jamie said, he's like, I should just leave the driver in the car. I'm not going to hit it. And then he'd go and hit it and not hit it great. And he just said, "Why am I hitting this thing?" So, <laughs> self-proclaim should not hit the driver.
0: Speaking of big money games, though, yeah. Uh, so I get to play with Tim York and and uh, Nick Peters last Woo! week. Brody joined us for the for the uh, for the back nine. This was out of the creek.
1: A lot of quarters jangling in those pockets, ready so to
0: be in traded. In typical Len fashion, no, this isn't typical, and I do. I'm I'm publicly uh, apologizing because I was a little late for the tea time, and the reason that I was a little late for the tea time is because we were interviewing Bob Weeks. Yeah so i tim and nick can wait it, well Weeks. that's kind of what i was thinking but anyway i tried my best to get there on time anyway i get there and nick and tim are actually halfway down one fairway they let me know that they were going to tee off so it wasn't a big deal so i get up there and i hit my tee shot on on one and i get and i actually smashed it and i and i passed him past nick and i get up there and <laughs> tim goes yeah we're actually playing the tips today but uh, anyway that doesn't matter you know blah 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 and i'm like <laughs> okay here we go so anyway so now i'm playing the tips and i don't remember actually playing the tips that much at anderson's i mean it's always an option but that that woodlands they call it harvest is the back woodlands is the wheels that one seems like the the logical sort of you know uh, t for um i don't know like like a little better of a golfer i guess you know so anyway but these guys there it was tips day for these guys so we're, we're playing and all i i'm just watching tim york play all day he doesn't miss a shot like it wasn't so much that like he ended up i think on the day two or three under par but he just he didn't make a bad swing you know it it was he's fun to watch and anyway nick nick uh what was he doing (laughs) oh yeah nick if you're you're listening to this one bud um we we can be your online Kijiji because I hear that there could be a putter for sale and a couple of wedges. Really? Uh, yeah, he was kind of he was struggling with those. But what do you think about a great day?
1: When you say like they they they're playing the tips and stuff, do you mm-hmm. think that matters? Like after the round, someone's like, "How'd you play today?" And someone says, "Oh, you know, I played this." It's like, "Well, did you play the tips, or did you? You know, does does what T deck you
0: play matter?" Yes, yes, it does. And is that based on? I don't think it matters as much for like, um, I think it matters to like, after I was done, like I had a good round and I was, I was two over for the, for the day. Um, and, um, after it was done, I was like, I was so pumped because I had played from the tips. So I played it maxed out and I near powered the damn thing. Now, if I went in and I, and I said the same thing and it was from the whites, that Changes things, I think, in in people's minds.
1: I don't know. You still got to put the ball in the hole, whether it's a hundred percent,
0: a hundred percent, sixty-two or seventy-two. I personally think it's easier, Anderson Creek, from the wheels than it is the whites, because the tee shots on the whites end up into that distance that I don't really like that much. Okay, but yeah. So would you say I no? But I don't. I don't. I don't agree. I think it matters, but I don't think it. Should, like if somebody came and said I shot sixty-eight. Oh, you know, and they say from the whites or whatever. I will say to them what you just said. It doesn't matter where you know the tees. Like you shot sixty-eight, man. You you birdied you know a number of times. Yeah, you're
1: four under par. Whether you you know, um, I just think sometimes people, you know, a good score will get chastised because it wasn't from the tips. And I don't know if that comes from a and a place of. You know, you, sh- you-
0: maybe the- maybe they're saying you're better. You Tell should you
2: what, be if playing If you're out the there tips. doing that,
0: you're a complete pigeon. <laughs>
1: you're
3: a pigeon.
0: Don't yeah. do that to anyone. Don't lessen the fact because they're playing from the whites. Right. Like play with T deck. You want to play? Yeah. Just go play golf. And and you know what? Like I played I played uh, another round out there, and the boy said, Ah, we're just going to play from the white. No, it was Green Gables actually. And the boy said, Ah, it's windy as hell here. We're just going to play the white. Fine. Yeah. Like, it's still ate me And up. I
1: understand why Tim and and a lot of players play the tips because. Tim plays tournament golf, and mm-hmm. when he goes to play a tournament, mm-hmm. there, aren't, there isn't a tournament that's going to be played from 62. The tournaments are going to be played from a certain yardage, and he wants to familiarize himself with what irons he's going to hit in from those yardages. Yeah. So there's definitely a, the a reason to play them. They have a,
0: like a, um, you know, it's not, it's not a crazy difficult, yeah. you know, back nine When you look at the yardage, I think it's 66 or something like, or maybe 68, but it's not a crazy, it's not a crazy. One of sense.
1: the tournaments got canceled this weekend, correct?
0: It was supposed to be on Saturday at the. I think. Oh yeah. So one of the, well Avondale Scramble they have the monthly ones right. so that was canceled for that. That's coming up this weekend.
1: And Anderson Creek was supposed to have something on the. I think so too. Yeah.
0: And that got moved. Like they, it was an, also a four man scramble, and you, that got moved to this Saturday as well. I got a I got a good story about uh. Well before we before you go into that story, yes. I just wanted to say the. Uh, wait, were you going to talk about your Hidden Lake story? Yeah. No, no, we're not there yet. We're going to talk about that in a second. But oh. we've got the one day tournaments. That i wanted to talk oh, about. oh that's right Those are new this year. yeah because uh steve anderson was asking me about them and i didn't really know anything about them um anyway and i this is not this is still not like official word from one of the peigi guys but they've got two they're like back-to-back weeks they're both one-day tournaments on i think fridays i think and they're basically i mean they're full tournaments just like anything they're just held on one day and um, you can go on the PIGA website to to check them out or and uh, and and register. But they are um, they're basically for points. You know you know how they have that points race, the PIGA for yep. player of the year and stuff like that. They're trying to you know get more events in there so they have like more points to play with as far as. The, and I don't know if that has anything to do with COVID and you know no no off island tournaments or anything. Not that that should matter, but um, yeah. So anyway, they got those one day tournaments. So those are going to be I I. I Take a those vacay are fun, day yeah. and go go play those. Um, a,
1: va- a vacay day from golf?
0: <laughs> no, a vacay day. Yeah, pretty much. We'll
1: take a vacay day from golf so yeah. can go play in a golf tournament? Yeah, please. <laughs> um, we used to do... The PGA of Canada Atlantic used to do the one-day events, and it, it was kind of the same reason. It was for your club pros who couldn't uh, sacrifice you know, the three-dayers to go kind of just get to do the one-dayers. Yeah. And the really cool setup was what basically... You go to the course, and you kinda, you're kind of you in charge of booking your own tea time, as long as you're playing with someone else that's playing in the event. So you and me might say we're working the shop, but we're working the two-to-close shift. Mm-hmm. Well, we would go play at 9 o'clock in the morning, yep. get our round in, turn in our scorecards, and then go to work. Guys that do the open shift would go play in the afternoon, and at the end of the whole day, the course would collect all the cards from people playing in the event two up the scores and send out emails and stuff. It was pretty cool. It yeah. was a way to get everyone... Uh, playing some tournament golf I think not the traditional idea. not the most traditional way
0: speaking of tournament of golf so then you know obviously with covid and the bubble closing um or not opening i should say we've got uh the, you know the creek open we've got a number of tournaments that are you know that and the pros you know the the creek open has like a, a really good pro purse and i'm sure like you know island Open's going to be killer this year and all that you know stand up open same thing and uh you know, it kind of sucks because a lot of the pros from off-island that would usually make this trip over obviously cannot. And it doesn't look like they're going to be any any, any sooner. So <laughs> here's, here's a public service announcement or request from from the Island Green podcast. All you GMs and owners of golf courses out there, go let your pros play those tournaments. Yeah. Uh, don't make them work. Get some staff in there or just tell them that you're going to let them go play because they definitely want to play. Hell, you should sponsor them in those tournaments. as Far as I'm concerned, but um, let them go play because that would that's uh, it's important to get out there and represent your club and get them some some rounds and show them that you appreciate them and, and let them register because yeah. yeah, because that's what's going to end up you know filling that that pro purse and make it a good tournament. So yep, you know.
1: You don't want five guys playing for their own money. That's that's no fun for no,
0: anybody. No, 100%. Exactly.
1: So, exactly. If the Anderson Creek went through the work to find a, a sponsor for the professional division, yep, l- let it be well represented. Yeah.
0: Assistant pros, pros, golf court Teachers, get, get out there, there and play. Yeah. yeah, get out there and play. Um, the other tournament that I wanted to, to <laughs> before you go into your story, the other tournament <laughs> that I wanted to mention was one that was announced uh, not that long ago, um, but it looks really cool, is the Hunter's Charity Classic that Fox Meadow was having. Um, i saw the poster exactly that's I, as soon as i saw it i'm like well that's cool and what's that all about so it's may 23rd um i don't even know what day that is but uh 80 bucks per player it's a scramble it's a four-man scramble but first place is 2500 now it's not to the, obviously not given to the <laughs> players those are donated to so the select charities i think of the players i i could be wrong, but um, I would anyway. hope so.
1: The, play, the winning team would pick a pick a pick their chair charity, and away you go.
0: But it might be like a list of certain ones, That's just true. to just to avoid uh, some. I
1: know. think a lot of people's eyes went to twenty five hundred for first place and was like, "What?" Yeah, they I mean, like, um, and they're like,
0: "I'll still play," but yeah. <laughs> so eighty bucks. I mean, you get your round you know so if you're thinking value here you know you get around that's 50 bucks you got your cart you got range balls you got prizes obviously and then you got a, a welcome gift package i mean 80 bucks for a day on the golf course i mean yes <laughs> do it anyway uh lee reed is a guy to contact but just go to the fox meadow and their posters there shout out to whoever took that photo there cuz that is killer looking oh that's oh that's one of mine okay <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I sorry I interrupted you there. I just wanted to get the tournament info. No, it's out perfect there. segue. Um, and uh, speaking of tournaments, we'll uh, go into a little corporate tournament. Yeah, a at.
1: little, uh, well, those corporate tournaments, they're always fun to, to play in, but I guess some people might not know what goes on behind the scenes to an event of that magnitude. Um, as I mentioned in a couple of podcasts earlier, uh, when I was an assistant golf pro at Hidden Lake in Ontario, we had one of the biggest corporate events in Southern Ontario every year. It was the uh, REMAX Real Estate Tournament. And there was 288 players. Uh, we had two courses. So each course had 144 on it. We had a uh, 144 carts. Uh, Fortino's, which is kind of the superstore of Ontario. It's a supermarket chain. That would be equivalent to like the Atlantic Superstore. Okay. They would set up a tent the size of our driving range and have it filled with food and uh, drinks. And it was just a crazy, crazy corporate event. Um, and, you know, I, I get along with the real estate people here in Charlottetown, and I know fr- friends of mine are real estate agents, but we're talking Southern Ontario real estate agents. They're kind of a little bit uppity, um, you know, on the phone, every swing. Just, you know, but it, is, it, it is what it is. But the service level we were had to make it, it was had to make it their day. Anyway, so every hole had crazy hole-in-ones. Like one was a million dollar hole-in-one. One was a You mean the par 3s? The par 3s, right? Yeah. And crazy <laughs> hole-in-one
0: on the par 5.
1: Yeah. <coughs> for a million. Yeah, um Yeah. So this year that uh, I was running I was organizing it from the backshop perspective so the carts and so anyway, it was uh, 2008. So the Audi R9 had just came on the market. And okay. back then it was the it was the bee's knees of new cars coming out. It was $125,000 MSRP back when it came out. So every par 3 either had a cash prize or a car on it that you won. So in the morning of the tournament, it was a 1 o'clock shotgun. So we set up the course around 10 a.m. with all the cars and a guy pulls into the parking lot and he's driving the R9. So everybody from the clubhouse is out looking at it the the owners of the hidden lake everyone's out yeah he says yeah i got the uh the audi car and we're like okay he's like where's it going and we said well it's going on whatever hole 13 on the old course he said okay i'll take it out and our owner said no 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 <laughs> you don't get to drive it out there and he said well, what do you mean he said well you don't know the golf course you've never been here You're, we're not going to let you drive a car onto our golf course and he said well nobody's driving this car except me like this yeah. is a $125,000 car. I don't blame them one bit. Right. So the owner said, well, we got a pickle here because you can't drive it out there and you're not letting us drive it. And he said, we don't want, like, it's nice for us if it's out there, but this is for your event. You want the real estate agents to see this R9 out
0: there and say, I need this car. Can I Can it's, I just say something? Yep. Like, uh, outside looking in, yep. let the dealer drive the damn car. Just have a staff member there. I don't understand. Like, what do you think? Is, like, the pro shop guy is going to know the best you know like angle you just sit them in the passenger seat
1: no no not not for how it's uh displayed but how to drive through a, like imagine taking a car out to fox meadow and someone that doesn't know golf driving over a green or driving no, over a you fairway put, or something you put someone in the passenger oh, side the passenger like, this seems like a checked.
0: logical thing to nah. me anyway continue
1: it, it was 2008 nothing yeah. was logical <laughs> <laughs> so we, he said okay fine but just you know please just take care of it we said don't worry we'll take care of it so the owner george says here nick you know where it goes. Take it out there. Just be careful. So yeah, no problem. Um, so I uh, drive it out there and get it set up. And then how did it happen? Yep. So I drove it out there. Then after the tournament's over, uh, it was about 6 o'clock, I'd say. 1 o'clock, yeah, 6 hour, 5 hours later. Shotgun tournament. So I go get the car. I get in it, drive it off the course, and I pull into a parking spot in the uh, front kind of parking area by the clubhouse, Yeah. and the Audi guy says, I'll come back, you know, around eight or nine, because I want to make sure it's done. I'm like, sounds good. So I pull in forwards, Yeah. and I'm parked, uh, the cinder block parking is in front of me. Oh, my God. So I'm parked, and then one of the guys says, well, are you going to take this for a rip or what? I said, no, man, fuck it, I'll get in trouble. He's like, come on, man. He's <laughs> like, "When are you ever going to drive a $125,000 car in your life again? I said, probably, not." I like all right. Let's take it for a rip down the street. So Waterdown, the little town right next to the golf course, is about three kilometers. He said, let's just go to Waterdown and get a bite to eat and come right back. We'll be back, I said.
0: I've got a really bad feeling about this. (laughs) I said,
1: all right, let's do it. Yeah. So I get in the driver's seat, and I've driven standard before. um, Yeah. But this was a new standard, I guess. And (laughs) the reverse is top left, where on most normal (laughs) standard cars, it's bottom right. But obviously on this car, bottom right was fifth gear. So I'm parked, I'm trying to back out of the parking spot. I hadn't had to, ba- I hadn't had to back it out yet. So I put it in reverse what I thought was reverse. And yeah. I, obviously I, I did go slow, so that would help me. And it jerked forward and I heard a... Oh my God, man. I was like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh my God. So I thought I'd put it in fourth. So I was like, oh man, I got to get, got to make sure it's really, really in reverse. So I really jam it to the right and pull down hard. I'm like, hey, I got to be in reverse. And I just creepy let off the clutch, and oh my <laughs> god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> so I'm basically going forward on top of this cinder cinder parking block, and um, I so on, on before I did it the third time, I was like, man, something's up here. Like if I go for any further, I'm going to be up on it. I'm not even going to be able to get the front tires. Aren't even going to spin. Anyway, somebody. Another one of the guys from the shop had heard the scrapes and come over and been like, uh, try, uh, like top left here for her. So, no I, put her, way. so I put her in top left and that backed it out of the spot and we cruised into water down and went and got a bite to eat at the fast food joint. And then you still took the damn thing out. Oh yeah. We took it to water down.
0: What is wrong with you? <laughs>
1: it's, never going to drive a car like that ever. So cruised into water down, grabbed a bite to eat, came back, put it back in the parking spot and then. The guy showed up at about whatever eight o'clock to pick it up. And he said, "Any issues, boy?" He said, "No, she's she's gold, man. She hasn't moved from the spot after we took her off the uh, off we took her off the golf course." You're though. such a trustworthy guy. I know. Anyway, that's my so humorous. So no, <laughs> nothing ever came of it. Just I think you know with the, the bottom oh, of little like
0: sneak. How old would you have been? Well,
1: 2008, so it would have been uh, 28.
0: That's unreal. That's unreal.
1: So I drove an R9. I almost <laughs> took the bo- top bottom bonnet off it, but.
0: All right. Listen, um, yeah. I got a couple other things that we want to get to, but I think uh, after that story now, let's get into the the meat of this thing. Let's go to Bob. Yeah. Um, uh, We, <laughs> thank you. I think I said thank you a hundred times to him, you know, before and after this yeah. this interview, but. Um, can't thank Bob weeks enough to, for coming on, uh, basically talking to us two nobodies for uh, for a good 45 minutes. And uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, let's let's take it over to Bob. Okay, our next guest is quite simply one of the most influential people in Canadian <laughs> golf. He is literally the only person who is a member of both the Canadian Golf and Canadian Curling Hall of Fames although he's admitted to most likely being the worst golfer ever inducted into the uh, Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, He's the author of five incredible books on both curling and golf, including one called The World's Greatest Golf Courses. A little jealous of that, but most of our listeners would recognize him as that handsome go-to golf analyst we we get to watch every week during Golf Coverage and Golf Talk Canada on TSN. I could go on for much longer in this intro, but I'd rather get started talking to him. Just to say it's an incredible honor to have on our podcast to chat with us this week, Mister Bob
3: Weeks. Hey guys, thanks to have, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I wish I, uh, I wish we could be doing this interview in person. <laughs> I'd love to be out in Bei right now. Oh, uh,
1: we we got it's about sixteen degrees and sunny today. It's the nicest day we've had in well the spring so far. So.
3: Well, the best part is your golf courses are open. Well, I was
1: about to. <laughs> I was about to say, you know, the only good thing maybe to come out of the Ontario lockdown is that we
0: got you as a guest on the podcast today. So, <laughs> do do you get to golf much, Bob?
3: Uh, in normal years, not a lot. Not as much as everyone thinks. You know, I travel. If it wasn't a pandemic or a COVID year, I'd probably be on the road about 125 nights a year or so. Okay. So, and, you know, sometimes to be perfectly honest, as much as I love golf and I work in golf, sometimes, you know, when you've spent uh, 10 days at the U.S. Open or somewhere like that, the last place you want to be when you come home is on a golf course, to be perfectly honest. I know that sounds backwards a little bit, but so... I play around 20, 25 games a year. And last year though, I doubled that. Last year I played up, uh, upwards of 50 and I kind of got the, kind of got the, the juices flowing again for golf. So I'm hoping that the courses here in Ontario will open soon.
0: I, I know the feeling. And I think that was one thing that, uh, COVID brought on all of us is, uh, is there's definitely a golf bug that's back in the air for sure. Um, I th- I don't think a lot of listeners actually would, would know how familiar you are with PEI. Um, you, you, spent a lot of time half growing up here. No?
3: Yeah. Well, my family roots are all from Prince Edward Island. I can go back five generations. Uh, I had a great, great grandfather who immigrated and uh, operated a boot making store uh, on Queen street around where the bank of Montreal is right now. He operated no that for many years. His son, my great-grandfather um, was one of the founders of the first golf course on Prince Edward Island, which is now uh, Belvedere, but uh, Charlottetown Golf Club. He was one of the founding members. And then his son, my grandfather, uh, Major General Ernest Jeffrey Weeks, was the reason why I spent a lot of time on PEI because we used to come there every summer And uh, as, gr- as a kid growing up. And uh, he, he was a Two fought in both first and second world war. And at the end of the second world war was in charge of the Canadian armed forces. He was the chief of defense. It wasn't called that Ben, but that's what he was. Holy! And then, uh, we moved, uh, my, my father is not a PEI guy. He's the only first one, not born, but all my relatives are all buried up in the Sherwood's cemetery there up across from the airport. So, uh, I get out to PEI as, uh, as much as I can.
0: Do you really? Okay. So if, like last year, obviously, did you get, do you get here, you know, a couple of times a year for sure. Would you go a year without, you know, coming here?
3: Uh, I try not to, I was here. So the year before the pandemic, I was there a couple times and I try to, I, it's not as easy as I'd like it to be, but sometimes no. I kind of, sometimes I'm there for business and sometimes I'd like to try and sneak in and, uh, just rent a, a place that I have a friend who's there. He who gives me a, uh, place up there and I can rent. I usually come sort of post labor day and just kind of hang out. And I don't even play golf sometimes when I'm there if I'm by myself. So it's kind of fun, but, uh, it's my, it's my kind of escape place.
1: Maybe meet up with uh, Terry Hamilton for a game of cards or a game of crowbush.
3: Yeah, Jack Kane, uh, Terry Hamilton. Uh, I mean, uh, when Laurie's home, I'll play golf with Laurie and get humbled. And uh, they take me <laughs> down to that uh, Charlottetown Men's Club every once in a while. And usually we get in there in the afternoon, and sometimes I don't, I can't even remember what time we get out. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, uh, I've had a lot of good times in in Prince Edward Island and uh, and really right across Atlantic Canada. It's been uh, it's a real special spot uh, in my heart.
0: That's unreal. Um, well, we usually like to start a little bit about your background. I mean, like I said, any golfer in Canada knows who knows who you are, but a lot of folks don't know sort of your sort of your history and sort of how you got to sort of where you are now. Uh, I know that you were you know born in Toronto, obviously, and and all of that. I went to school in Windsor, I believe, uh, and but then um, like, how did you get into sort of the media part? Like. What, <laughs>
3: Did you always so know actually, that you wanted to be one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually, I was actually born in Montreal, and I'll just tag okay. this little story. Was the uh, we were on a summer vacation when I was 11 years old to Prince Edward Island, and in those days there was no bridge, there was no uh, across, so you had to wait for the ferries. And the ferries went on strike one time, and we got stranded on Prince Edward Island. And my father uh, decided that we'd f- try to find some sort of an activity to do, and he took me to play golf. So the first golf game I ever played was on Prince Edward Island. It was at Strathgartney. Which uh, I think is still around. The guys totally told me is little, totally is. Yeah. Okay. That's so. That was the first game I played. But anyway, uh, we moved to Toronto when I was twelve. Grew up. Went to school in Windsor. Took uh, journalism, media studies, broadcasting, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, I started off. The first job I had was working for the Ontario Lottery Corporation, and believe it or not, my job was to give out the the big checks, like the million, multi million dollar checks.
0: You definitely know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: <laughs> but four years after. Uh, I think I won the lottery because I got hired uh, by Score Golf. A guy named John Gordon was the editor there. He hired me on, and I stayed there for 29 years. And during that period, the last say 10 or 12 or 15 years, we had Score Golf TV, which some of the listeners may remember. And um, and I kind of worked for TSN and Score Golf at the same time. And then about six years ago, I went full time over to Score Golf. And uh, I mean, I've, I've never been a great golfer. I've not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have my job because I'm a great golfer. I have it because I'm a journalist. And I'd like to think that, you know, I have people who come and ask me, well, how do you get this job? And can I do this? And I say, well, you know, I'm not a golfer. I'm not a golf writer. I'm, I'm just a journalist who covers golf. And I'd like to right. think that I could do anything. I could do entertainment or business or politics if it's just sort of the, the skills of the trade. But I will say I've lucked out because this has been 32 years now of, of in the golf side. And uh, it's, been, uh, it's been amazing.
0: So you you kind of glazed over the fact that you went to you know you started at score golf and then they did score golf TV was that your first time being on TV like I'm, I'm just sort of imagining I mean I know how you know much of a rush it is to get you on here ourselves but um, you know for yourself when you got um, you know your first on screen was it with uh, score golf TV? yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, in any kind of meaningful way, for sure. I um, we had we had a first generation of it that was on global and lasted for about two years, yeah. and I just had a very small part in that. But when I when we came on back onto TSN, I was the host, and uh, yeah, it was trial by fire in a lot of ways. Um, I really, if I go back and look at some of the early footage that we have and some of the things I did and said and acted and stuff, and the clothes I wore, I mean, it's pretty scary. <laughs> but uh, it's, like any job, right? Anybody, everybody learns what to do and how to handle it, and uh, how you grow with it and you mature. So it's—I'm uh, sure you guys, your your this podcast will be better than the one that you did with Lori Kane with your first one. So I'm just getting there. We
0: are we are getting a little bit more comfortable ourselves, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be true. Lori was Lori was pretty good, Bob. <laughs> He's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so supportive. Um. So. Okay. And I kind of wanted to just go into your, obviously with the last six years with TSN and all of that. Um, but before that, obviously O three 3 is kind of a moment in all, I mean, I remember extremely well. Um, I've found that I'm getting older over the years and, you know, some of the younger folks don't quite remember it, but when t- talk about your master's experience, like when the first time that you went to the master's, do you remember when that was and, and that whole experience?
3: Yeah. So the first masters I went to was 1993. Um, I was doing some, I did some stuff for, for TSN at that point. I was still working for score golf, but I did some stuff at TSN, uh, Bernard Longer won, And, um, it was a far different place. The course hadn't undergone any renovations. It was still the kind of a short traditional course. Uh, the clubhouse was different. The media center was different. Um, uh, there was a lot more access to the players. You could just basically walk right up and start talking to them and, uh, it was kind of a different world back then, but it was surreal. I mean, you still, you walk onto Augusta National, and uh, of course, you've watched on television forever. And I don't know if, if uh, I, I know you've got a master's shirt on. I'm not quite sure if, you, if you've if you been there, but, I have, uh, yeah. no, but But when you walk onto the grounds, you have, as great as television is, and with high def and 4K and all that, it still does not give it the the, the real justice that you get when you see it in real life. And so now I've come to appreciate it and walk around. I've just finished my 26th Masters, and uh, it's it's um, It's a week. It's the best week of the year for me, without a doubt. I mean, besides the RBC Canadian Open and maybe the CP Women's Open, it's, it's the best one that you travel to, and uh, they treat you very well, and, and the course itself is still marvelling.
1: You see today the coverage uh, that, say, TSN does for the Masters. It's a pretty big production. You have the the whole booth set up for the week and all that how has that come along in the years past for where you started back in your first covering in the masters
3: <laughs> when i first started it was uh it was just me and i we used to use the espn camera and i used to do a little hit and uh just you know like a one like a 90 second report basically is for lack of a better term and to to tell you a kind of a kind of a gross story but i'll tell it to you anyway i don't think i've ever told this one on a podcast so this is a, an exclusive for uh, you guys I beautiful like that. They, uh, they have a little thing that goes in your ear, so like a little earpiece, and they call it an IFB. I don't know what that stands for, but anyway, uh, I didn't have one. So they sent one over to me, and it was uh, I just threw it in my luggage, and I went down there, and I went to the ESPN guy. They were very nice, and they, I, they said, do you have an IFB? And I said, well, I got this thing. So they kind of wired it up, and I put it in my ear. And they say, can you hear anything? And I said, no, should I be hearing? Yeah, you should be hearing Toronto. They said, well, no, I don't hear anything. So they check the wires and they check the camera and they check this. Can you hear anything now? Nope, can't hear anything. What's going on? Anyway, finally, they took the thing out of my ear. They looked at it. It was a used IFB and it was full of earwax. Somebody else's
2: earwax.
3: <laughs> and It had been stuck in my ear for about an hour. So anyway, that was my uh, introduction to, uh, to broadcasting at the Masters. Honest to God,
1: a
0: tradition like no other.
1: So when they say uh, media journalists don't make sacrifices to cover the big events, they're, they don't, they're wrong
3: that's right exactly that was my big sacrifice but uh, yeah we've grown considerably we now have a crew of 10 that go down um and uh we set up and it's the biggest production we do because i think it's no no disrespect to the other majors but i think for canadian golf fans it's the biggest event it's the biggest major it's the super bowl and it's probably has a lot to do with with a couple things one is the time of year you know we're all getting ready to get playing golf again. And the other part is that I think the golf course, everybody knows what's happened on that golf course, you know, where tiger sunk the putt on 16 that just fell over, you know, uh, where, you know, this guy chipped in or where this guy hit it into the woods or something like that. So it's, um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's just the biggest and the best for us. And so we, we treat it like that.
0: So when, in, in 03, when the biggest Canadian, you know, golf tournament win in history, uh, went down, um, where were you, um, I guess, sort of when the, the playoff was uh, was being held or, you know, were you kind of in the booth? Um, were you nervous at all? Like, how, how did you handle that? Um, the Mike Weir's win?
3: Well, you know, we don't we don't call it live. So we were we, we had done our pregame show. okay, And then uh, traditionally at the Masters, it's it's so hard this is going to sound crazy, but it's so hard to cover the last nine holes because there's so much action happening at different parts of the golf course at different times that I just, and most of us, just sit in the media room and watch it. Yeah. So that was the rare exception that that year, after Mike made the birdie on 13, Rod Black and I looked at each other and said, we should go out and watch this. So we went out and we walked around with them all the way through. And, you know, I just remember standing on 18 and, and not being able to look when he went that, made that putt to tie to get into the playoff. And then then we trundled down to the 10th hole and watched him put the putt in. And then all of a sudden we looked at each other and said, you know, it was, it was sort of bizarre because at one point you're a Canadian sports fan and you realize this is one of the biggest sporting moments we've seen. And then on the other hand, we went, Oh my God, like we have a big job to do right now. (laughs) Back to work, back to the media center and let's get going here. And it was, it was a long night. We didn't get out of there until probably 1130.
0: You you mentioned something there earlier about it. You don't do it live, and maybe that's changed over the time, social media and everything else. I have no idea, but um, what what was the process there before?
3: So before we used to do a pregame show and we do a postgame show, but we would just pick up CBS broadcast, which is what we do now. But but we have the ability now. Um, before the main broadcast gets on, we take. What are essentially streaming feeds that, yep. if you were in, if you were in the United States, they'd be on. You couldn't get them anywhere except on your on your computer. Yeah, like the- uh, we take those and put them on one, two, three, and four, and then we have we cut in and out of those with with James Duffy, myself, and the last couple of years with Graham Dillette, who I think is going to have a great career as an analyst when he's packed it in. Um, and we do it that way. So it's a, it's it's the biggest and the longest and the hardest thing we do, but it's the most satisfying.
0: You 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 just mentioned him and we we did have this kind of on our we wanted to ask you about Graham um, and obviously with his injuries and and all of the rest, um, yeah. Do you think he's do you think his is he now going transferring over to a analyst uh, you know more more so than the golfer? Is he still trying to get back on yeah. tour? Yeah,
3: I don't think he's made the complete. Uh, I don't think he's he's said that his career is over. He still wants to try and play. He's undergone a couple of procedures recently that he hopes will help him a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's more about the fact that he's an athlete and he's always been an athlete, and he wants to try and do that until he absolutely, positively can't. And I can tell you, this guy, what this guy went through just to tee it up when he was on the on the on the PGA tour. I mean, his back is just—it's um, hard to imagine. You see him in the morning. When you know, when we're at, in Augusta, we share a house. And even just to get ready to go to the to the broadcast he's got to roll on his back and do these exercises and uh, i mean i just don't know how he how he did it to begin with and and he wants to give it every chance he can so i think i think he'll work a little bit with us here and there when he's not playing and then eventually when it's time i think or when he calls decides it's time uh hopefully he'll come on with us full-time
1: So you're saying he uh, he wasn't joining you for your 5:30 a.m. runs that we know you uh, are accustomed to when you're on the road.
3: <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. He didn't do those. He was. Uh, he's very good, though. He brought a. He has. He, he owns a beer. He owns a beer. It's called Prairie Bard, and you can get it in Western Canada and the states. So he brought those along, and those made. I'll tell you, those made the 5:30 wake up call a little difficult.
1: And the other question I had about Graham at the Masters was. Um, was there an over under on how many egg salad sandwiches he was going to finish? Because I think at the end of it, he had said he would never eat one for a long time after that week.
3: Well, he took up the challenge because I love egg salad sandwiches. And a couple of years ago, the guys decided what they would do is every time I had an egg salad sandwich and it comes in this green wrapper, this, yeah, Crazy Green Wrapper, and they would grab the wrapper from me, and they pinned it up on the bulletin board. <laughs> and so uh, and so, my my record last year was nine, I think, which isn't really that much. Of Red Graham said, "Oh, I'm going to smash that." So he did twelve this year. I only did ten. So, um, <laughs> but uh, but they actually came out with a T-shirt this year, an Egg Salad Masters T-shirt that uh, that I proudly wear now.
0: I would. Totally at that. I remember, you know, obviously being at the Masters, everything is Masters branded and having all the sandwiches and they think, what, they cost a buck 50 or something for a yeah, for an egg salad sandwich? Unbelievable. Um, the other experience that I, or the other, you know, kind of iconic moment, and you, you did allude to it the other, the, the other time that I wanted to touch on was just Tiger's chip in on, um, you know, on 16 that time. Um, was it sort of the same sort of deal? Were you in the media tent when that happened? And, because uh, I mean, obviously, yes, it was a CBS call and all that, but I mean, I just remember... Like just a crazy moment.
3: You know, that's, I could go down, uh, we could do, we could do a five hour podcast on great totally. shots. I've seen Tiger make and uh, that was definitely one of them. Um I think you could hear the roar from that, the explosion. Like you hear the roars all over and you kind of know where they're coming from with experience. You can say, okay, that's on 16. Okay. That's on 15. And you knew there was something special going, but even inside the media building at that point, you know, it exploded. Uh, I think back to 2000, I was at Pebble Beach when he, you know, lapped the field. Yeah. Uh, I think about that one. I don't know. There's so many moments with Tiger. I've I've been lucky enough to get to know him a little bit. And I've done a few events where they've made for TV events where we had, I can remember one actually, well, here's an Atlantic Canada story. Um, He did a made for TV event. I don't even know how many years ago. It's gotta be at least 10 at um, Ron Joyce's club, Fox Harbor. Fox Harbor. Yeah. And it was him playing against, Hank Haney, who was then his coach, and Charles Barkley, believe it or not. And these these made for TV events, I was the on course reporter and Rod Black and Jim Nelford were up in the booth. And these made for TV events, we do a lot of stopping and starting because they have a limited number of cameras. So they got to reposition. Sure. So all, all I can remember was we were on one hole down by the water, and Tiger was gonna hit his second shot, but we had to wait. And so we, I was just standing and we were just shooting the breeze and all of a sudden he looks out in the water and he sees this massive, massive yacht out there. And you know, he's a boat guy. He's got this boat that he likes to spend a lot of time on. It's called privacy. And, and he looks over and he says, whose boat is that? And I said, that's Ron Joyce, Ron Joyce's boat. He says, is that the the donut guy? And I said, yep. (laughs) And he just nods his head like this and he goes, That's a lot of donuts. (laughs) (laughs) I think he...
0: Didn't he shoot the course record or something? Doesn't he hold the unofficial sort of course record at Fox Harbor? I think so,
1: yeah. I think he does.
0: So for
1: tournament-wise for you covering for TSN, obviously you don't go to every tournament week in, week out. How many events typically would you and the TSN crew go to in the course of a year? Uh,
3: In a normal year... We would go anywhere between 10 and 14, somewhere in there. We do all four majors, do both the Canadian events, obviously. Uh, we'll do the Players' Championship, and then we'll kind of pick and choose our spots depending on how the Canadian players are doing, uh, depending on what we need. Um, the Ryder uh, I... Cup, it gets a little louder than <laughs> <laughs> the AMT time. And I'll tell you, the one that's, the one that's creeping up on, on those ones, too, is the 17th at Sawgrass. Um, you know they've oh, turned yeah. that into they've turned that into kind of a boisterous thing. And then the last couple of years, you know, at the, at the Canadian Open, the RBC Canadian Open, they've done this thing where they put the hockey boards around, and they call it the rink, and they put it around a par three, and people come up and start slamming on it. And the players have said that that's pretty loud too. He said, but the people are Rory said, you know, they're really loud, but they're very respectful at least. So, so there's good times at at, uh, at golf tournaments. It's not all just uh, polite clapping and whispering.
1: I think I saw last year at Sawgrass right before they ended up. Uh, shutting the tournament down, they had the Chain Smokers doing a live concert off to the side of the hill and it was insanity.
3: That went. That tournament went from a Chain Smokers concert on Tuesday to a normal first round starting on Thursday. At Thursday at noon, the commissioner came into the press room and said, okay, we're going to keep going with the tournament, but we're going to have no fans. To at nine o'clock that night, I got a text from Roger Sloan just saying in my hotel room said, they've just canceled the tournament. And uh, that's... Golf, golf in the world hasn't been any any hasn't been the same since that time.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, I was. Talking, somebody is wondering actually. They they want the inside scoop on how you handle all the golf coverage and also all the curling coverage that you do. <laughs> they want to. They want They. I'm not going to say who it is, but he might be <laughs> one of the journalists, and he's wondering how you handle all that.
3: Well, it's delicate. It's uh, not easy, and uh, I would say that you know in previous years, a long time ago, the the seasons meshed together pretty well. Um, There was, there's always a crazy period, kind of February, March, April, when the Scotties and the Briar and the Masters and the players all kind of synced up. And there was, there were some pretty, uh, you know, they always kind of crashed and burned shortly after that. Um, I did, I don't know if people know this. I wrote a curling column in the Globe and Mail for 25 years uh, for a while I've written some books on curling and curling is, uh, curling's close to my heart. I, I love curling. I love curlers. Uh, they're, they're just great people. Uh, I know all the great, well, not all the great, but most of the really avid curlers out in Prince Edward Island, you know, the Nancy Cameron's and the Suzanne Burt's and the,
2: yeah.
3: uh, Blair, Blair Weeks, a distant cousin of mine and, uh, guys like that. So it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's fun. I always say you can go anywhere in Canada and you sell, tell someone you're a curler and you'll meet some curlers and they'll be good people. But get back to your original question is, yeah, it's, it's delicate, but listen, um, what, a, what a job to have. All I got to do is watch curling and watch golf. I mean, <laughs> come on, bring it on. Give me more. So.
1: I think the same journalist also uh, wanted to apologize for almost getting you killed for wearing a Maple Leafs jersey to a Rangers Tampa Bay hockey game. He just wanted oh us to get God. that out there.
3: <laughs> okay, so now we know who it is, right Oh, <laughs> uh, I gave it away. Yeah. 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 We were sitting, uh, we were on a trip in New York City and uh, we were waiting in the hotel room. We we're going to go watch uh, the Rangers play the Tampa Bay Lightning. And all of a sudden off the elevator door the elevator doors open and out walks Rick in a uh, Maple Leaf jersey. And if you've ever been to New York City and Madison Square Garden, boy, they didn't have a lot of they didn't have a lot of time for that. They let him have it. It was fun actually. It was pretty funny. They let him have it for, for three periods. It'd
0: be a different thing if it was a Tampa jersey, you know, with the opposing team. You expect to get a little bit of but completely yeah. off the wall, just to cause <laughs> a shitstorm. He just decides to drive uh to, to wear a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. Uh. <laughs> um you're you're obviously, it goes without saying that you're traveling almost constantly, you know, uh, COVID being the exception. But um, what I'm what I'm kind of wondering is that like outside looking in, it sounds like a like a a dream gig like you just alluded to. You're watching golf. You're watching curling all the time and all that kind of stuff. But what are some of the things that you sort of like don't like about the travel and don't like about the, you know, obviously time away from your family is one thing. But um, some of the things that maybe we don't wouldn't think about.
3: The biggest one is time away yeah. from your family. You miss the important things. I have a son who, uh, well, he's not kidding anymore. He's 28, almost 29. Uh, but growing up in the early days, you know, the masters, the week of the masters was always the same week as his hockey championship. Yeah. And I did manage to coach his hockey team for a while. So you'd get there and they'd play in the championship and I never saw the championship game and they won one more often than they lost. So those things are hard. Yeah. Um, the, the, the you know i don't i always tell people i don't mind when i'm in a spot like you know the difference between golf and curling is you know they uh they don't have they don't have golf tournaments in Timmins and uh or, or places like that nothing against Timmins but you know i mean it you go to pretty nice spots you're going to scottsdale you're going to miami you're going to you know pinehurst and uh so so I don't mind when I'm there. It's it's the toing and the throwing, it's the airplane, it's the check-in, it's the lineup, it's waiting for your luggage, it's your luggage not showing up, it's uh missing a plane, or those kind of things are tiring and 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 then you come home and and uh um someone says, uh, hey, let's go out for dinner, and you've just had nine nights on the road of having dinner, and the last thing you want to do is go out again. You know, you can complain all you want, though. It's it's part of the life. It's part of the career. And uh, there's a lot of, I think, the benefits of being on the road and traveling, the people I meet. Um, we have a great crew of media media people, like you were mentioning, Rick Young. But there's people from all over the states and all over the world that I see week in and week out. So you have great friendships. And in some ways, that's as much as your family is, as a lot of your real family are. So um, yeah, work so there's goods is. and bads, but I, I, I don't mind it. You get used to it.
1: Getting back to a question or something you touched on earlier, kind of the atmosphere at the tournaments. When when you have access to the players at a regular tour event on the range, they're they're chatty and they're talking and they're you know not having a good time, but they're accessible. What event would you say you go to and the players are zoned in, like d- dialed in? Would it be like you know a U.S. Open? Is it the majors where they really hone down their focus?
3: Yeah, the majors for sure. I mean, they're all a little bit light, more lighthearted at the regular uh, events, week in and week out. The majors, it's you know, you you've got to pick your spots. You got to know what their deal is. You know, Monday, Tuesday is a little easier to talk to them than Wednesday because they're getting a little more dialed in. And then once the once the gun goes off, you know, it's really just uh, press conferences and the odd time you might do things. I don't, I, I you know, generally, I the, all the Canadian guys are very good. I've known them most of them since they were amateurs or growing up, whether it's male or female. Um, so you can converse with them. Uh, I, I must say during the pandemic when I haven't been traveling, all the Canadians have been exceptionally good at at giving us time, like if let's say Corey Connor shoots a great round, shoots a sixty five in the first round at some tournament, and I can text them and say, "Would you have two or three minutes to give me a couple of quotes that I could use and uh, and generally they'll they'll do that. Um, they're very, very good about that. They usually do it when they're driving from the course to the hotel or something like that, so it's eats some of their time that way um but yeah they everyone gets really focused in at uh at major championships and if they're in contention on sunday those are the two times you don't really talk to them. i don't i don't tend to talk you know you don't want to ask a guy on on friday friday when he's in you know just trying to grind and make the cut you don't want to ask him about uh what has he got a new wedge in his bag or something like that you just, just kind of <laughs> yeah. know what you know, know what to know say. your place
0: yeah know your place yeah. that um you you I actually already mentioned uh my brother is ironically really good friends with uh roger sloan and nick here is really good friends with uh, michael gligick who was on a couple of episodes ago um you you mentioned that you get to know them both um well all the canadian golfers pretty well uh what can you tell us about them uh, as far as uh, and doesn't need to be anything but um if the first time you met them or saw them or seen them on the radar um I love hearing that stuff
3: well, most of the, most of the time, uh, these guys, I'll meet them when they're amateurs. So the first time I met Corey Connors, he was playing in the Canadian amateur. Uh, I went and did a story on Corey and uh, Taylor Pendrith uh, at Kent State University. We went down and did a shoot. We did two separate shoots, one on each of them back then. And um, Mackenzie Hughes, I met when he was a Canadian amateur champion, won the Canadian amateur twice and then we did a little segment with uh, with him where I played him one hole at uh, at his home course. We had a little thing on Score Golf for a few years, uh-huh. and he put it to he put it to about a foot, and I think I hit it like thirty yards into the trees or something <laughs> like that. And he was all excited that he'd beaten me, and he likes to remind me of that. But um, so you just you just you're just kind of constantly in contact with these guys when they're young, when they're and and some of the guys I'm still in contact with who maybe didn't make it, you know, they weren't the big stars, Derek Gillespies of the world, people yeah. like that. um because because as big a sport as golf is in canada the that level that up there is is really pretty small um i can remember the first time i met lori kane she was playing in a women's open whatever it was called back then demoria classic uh in winnipeg and i came up to her and i think she was i think she was still an amateur uh might have been when she first turned pro and um, i chatted and i told her about my pei background and you know we've been great friends ever since i talked to lori on saturday we were just chatting the other day about a few things. And um, she's another person who would probably make a really good broadcaster, I think. Um, So anyway, we're, you just kind of stay in contact and, and that's, those are friendships. It's a little bit part of the job. Like it goes beyond that in terms of American golfers. I know I have tons of players on the PGA tour and LPGA tours numbers in my phone book here. And that relationship building is part of what my job is knowing that they can trust you, knowing that they can tell, they can tell me things that might be off the record. And I, I I can kind of, they don't have to say it's off the record. You kind of know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I would say, I would say Mike Weir is the guy that I probably have spent the most time with and have come become the closest with over the years. So, but they're all really good people.
1: Would you say right now, since your time covering golf, this is the strongest contingent of Canadian players we've, we've seen with the amount of players that are on the tour you have Taylor, like you mentioned, who just got his tour card for next year. You have Brooke, uh, like Canadian golf right now on the professional level, women's and men's is just crazy.
3: It's uh, the, the talent at the top is is as good as it's been. Maybe, you know, you had Mike Weir, who was, you know, got up to third in the world. The biggest difference right now is that there are so many of them. And there it's, it's not only deep, it's wide, if you know what I I mean. I mean, Brooke Anderson is just ridiculous. She's a, I don't even know how to explain that. And, and to, you know, I get asked this question, is she really that nice? And yes, she is. I mean, she's, she's just absolutely the sweetest, nicest, uh, most down to earth person for a superstar you can ever believe in. Um, And then on the men's tour, you know, really, I think the fun part about being a Canadian golf fan right now is, pretty much every week there's a PGA tour event. There's a Canadian who's kind of in the hunt, maybe not right at the top. Most of the weeks there is someone up near the top, but um, you know, I don't know what it was like for you guys last Saturday night, watching Brooke Henderson and there she is coming down for another win. And it's uh my my phone was lighting up with people you know talking about it and chatting about it so uh it's fun it's great to be a canadian golf fan
0: we we talked about it on our last podcast and i think that was we were we we had sweaty palms and the whole thing as she had to get up and down on 18 and uh you know like just the nerves to do that um but yeah i think when we when when mike weir was at kind of at the top uh i can't remember what ranking he ended up Peaking at, I want to say three, maybe five. He was third, third in the world at one point. Three, yeah. And yeah. I think uh, other guys, I think Ian Leggett was on the tour at that point.
3: Perhaps. Yeah, Stephen, Stephen Ames, Stephen you know, Ames, won the definitely. Players' Championship. I was yeah. there for that one. That was that was still the best. His final round on Sunday is still the best round of golf I've ever witnessed anyone play. He beat the best field in the world by six shots. He beat Tiger, I mean, Phil, VJ. I've never seen a guy control the ball from every aspect like he did that day.
0: We, we had a, I was, I was golfing yesterday and one of the guys uh, asked a, a question and then said, who's, who's won the most money on tour? Of course, with the purses and the tiger effect and all of that, who has won the most money on tour? I'm sure Bob, you know the answer for a
3: Canadian. For a Canadian? Yeah. Uh, well, I would think it's Mike Weir. It is not. It is Stephen oh, Ames. Stephen's won more than Mike. Oh, okay. There you uh, go. I didn't know that. Well, <laughs> that's, that's what he,
0: that's what he, that's probably, could be. He could be. God, When when 3 He would have won the Masters. That's a lot of money. But anyway, uh, (laughs) I think... I'll give you one.
2: I'll
3: give you one along along the lines, that same lines. And this one may have changed recently, but up until a few weeks ago, who do you think was the third top money winner of all time? Any nationality everywhere. Obviously, the first two were pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Tiger's the first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So third all-time winnings... Annika?
3: No. Wow. it's not a trick it's it's a guy it's a it's a male player
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna say brooks
3: it's actually jim Furick, guy who's never hit the ball over 280 yards in his life and that's what i always tell people you don't have to be a long hitter to be a successful golfer
2: Man. i think
3: that, i think dustin johnson may have just passed him but he was for a while the third month third most money winning on the pga tour history. he's been
0: on tour forever
1: forever yeah. i can't get he's over, over how base. long how long stuart sink's hitting it lately
3: That'd yeah, be, that's right. There's hope for us yet.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, you you mentioned obviously we've mentioned all times times uh, Mike Weir um, and I of course I follow him. and I love Instagram and stuff like that because of you get to, you kind of get to know him a little bit. Um, is he is kind of like what you were describing Brooke as like just as down to earth and sort of nice as he sort of appears. I know the answer is kind of a an obvious one, but um, I don't know. He just seemed like a guy you could just go have beer with, and away <laughs> you go.
3: He is. He's, I'll tell you, uh, Mike is a very, um, I don't know, focused, uber-focused human being. Really? Whatever yeah. he whatever he does, he just wants to dive right in and work really hard at it. He works so hard at his golf game. His, his brother told me stories about when he was growing up, uh, he wanted to hit balls in the winter. And so his dad hung this big tarp. This is way before simulators and things like that. His dad hung this great big tarp in the garage. And he would hit balls out there for hours. And every time he would hit a shot, the whole house would reverberate. And they said the winters were just everybody was having a headache because he would just go shot after shot after shot after shot. Oh, um, but to get back to the first part of your question, Mike, Mike is a very, very nice guy. He has his moments, I think, when he was the top guy in the world, or if, in terms of Canada, you know, it got a little bit overwhelming, I think. But he's also, you know, he's got a new relationship in his life. Actually, it's not that new anymore, Michelle. Yep. Um, and I think he's just in the sweetest spot in the world right now. He's loving the being on the Champions Tour. He's playing some good golf, um, yeah. and he's kind of in, he's kind of in the last couple of years too. I think embraced his role now as kind of the mentor you talk to the guys like Corey and, and and Nick and Adam and Mac Hughes, you know, they'll say, he'll text them when they've had a good round. He'll say, Hey, listen, you know, go out and do it next week. You can do it. And the last, before the last round of the masters, Mike, Weir texted Corey Connors and gave him a little advice and a little encouragement. So I think that's something that he wouldn't have done five years ago, but now he realizes just what his stature really is with those other guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's the, that's who the, the inspiration probably would be for a lot of these guys. I mean, I haven't talked into Connor, or uh, Corey Connors or any of these guys, but I would imagine like the time frame is right there. They watched him do it. Why not? Why not me? Right. Exactly. Uh, so your, uh, golf talk, what is it? Golf talk, uh, your podcast, your golf talk, golf talk Canada, golf talk Canada. I was missing the Canada part. Um, last week, apparently, uh, you guys like to pick the winners
3: and uh and you
0: pick you pick team hairdo to uh to get it done and and they got it done
3: yeah even the blind pig finds the odd acorn right i mean like uh that was just listen we pick we pick people every week to win and, and uh, we don't mention it when we don't win we just mention it when we win we like to celebrate it but well that's why uh, i yeah, was gonna I thought, ask i was gonna <laughs> ask who's
0: your pick this week but well, you know, field. one of
3: the one of the other things I do is I I uh, I do interviews on radio stations across the country uh, usually during the week, and and I'll always they always ask me, well, who are you going to pick this week? So I just make sure that no matter what radio station I'm on, I'm always picking a different winner, <laughs> so that at least I have a better chance I have a better <laughs> chance of being right on one radio market than none. <laughs> so, we don't,
0: I mean, this week we got a real big kick out of it because Corey Connors was the uh, PGA Power Rankings number one pick, I think. Yeah, and which we just thought was unbelievable, but uh, if if you had to pick this week, who'd you, who'd you pick on your Golf Talk Canada this week?
3: Uh, I think I picked Paul Casey for the 3 Pete. and I think I picked Justin Rose, and then I we always have a value <laughs> pick. We always have a value pick, and my value pick was uh, Adam Hadwin because he's won there, and I'm expecting him to kind of bounce back a little bit now. He's been working with a new coach. He's actually working with the same coach that Mike Weir works with, so I'm expecting some uh, some better play from him.
0: Uh, well, yeah, I, it's funny because you picked, you picked last week. So did this guy. He picked... Uh, The team mullet there as
1: well. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, Nick, you're a smart man. Leishman had to hurry home and get his grass cut. Apparently, I watched some video this week that uh, that, he's he's very particular about his uh, backyard.
0: (laughs) um we're we're not going to take too much more of your time here but i did have some quick questions that i that i wanted okay. to ask you um one of which and i i've admitted on the podcast i'm an emotional man when it comes down to this stuff when that uh the q school gentleman there last week he or uh, on monday uh qualified it was big, already, mike. You know, big mike when he qualified i was kind of an emotional mess but what i wanted to ask you uh bob was have you ever become emotional or cried like during sort of like a broadcast, or is there any sort of moments that you remember, you know, the special moments?
3: Uh, the only time, the only time I've cried on air uh, was when Arnold Palmer died. And uh, I actually was out to dinner with some friends and I got a call that Arnie had died and they said, you got to get into the studio. Yeah. And I really didn't have a ton of time to prepare. I, I've known Arnold Palmer um, for a long time. The course that I belonged to in Toronto was called Weston. And it's where Arnold won his first PGA tour event, the 55 Canadian open. And, and on our first tee, there's a statue of Arnold Palmer. Wow. So he was always, a, always had a special place. And I got to know him. I got to interview him a bunch of times. He got to know me. He was just the most graceful, graceful and caring guy you could ever meet. And uh, when I was on the air talking about his passing, I I kind of started to lose it a little bit. And thankfully, I think it was with Kara Wagland that night and she kind of took over and grabbed me she from there. So. She picked yeah. you up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. Um, Typically, another question we like to ask is, uh, what's your favorite golf trip? But we're going to put a little spin on it this week and, and kind of ask you, yeah, obviously, other than the you know, Augustas, St. Andrews, Pebble Beaches, the, the common places, what's, a, what's the most stunning kind of golf property you've ever been to?
2: Oh, that,
3: that, that's uh that's pretty easy. Actually. It's Atlanta, Canada. Can I put that all together? I mean, if I had a trip to take I'll tell you that if I had a trip to take right now, I would come out and I would play Crowbush and I would go across and play the Cabot yeah. courses and, and probably go over to the Algonquin. Yeah. Um, you know, I think those are pretty special. I love Jasper. Jasper park lodge is one of my favorite places in the world to play golf. I think, I think the setting is spectacular. I think the golf course is spectacular Internationally, um, I've played some stuff in Mexico in Cabo San Lucas, and uh, it's it's almost ridiculously gorgeous uh, and ridiculously expensive. But it's uh, thankfully, yeah. as a, thankfully, as a media member, you don't you <laughs> have to pay the fees. But um, that's pretty that's pretty special too. I like they have a real laid back kind of atmosphere there uh, on the on the golf courses there, so that's kind of fun too. Awesome. There's great golf. Listen, there's great golf everywhere.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you were if if all the golf journalists, non-tour players of course, uh all played a 36-hole tournament, who wins? <laughs>
3: um probably Mark Zucchino, who's my co-host yep, on Golf Plus yep. Canada. I think he's at like a plus 3 or yep. Scott McLe- Scott McCloud from Flagstick. Yeah. Nice. is uh is a monster off the tee and pretty good. And then there's a whole bunch of guys who think they're really good. Um, (laughs) There's a couple of them. If we had to put everything out, uh, one in particular, if we had to play every shot and count the penalties uh, and we played right off the the proper handicaps, I would bet everything I own that I could beat them. But we'll we'll leave that for another day. (laughs) Um,
1: Okay. Here's another one. You can only do one for the rest of your life and not the other. You can either golf for the rest of your life, but not curl, or you can curl for the rest of your life and not golf.
2: Ooh. What
3: do you choose? Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to go back to my reference, my earlier answer where, you know, where they play, where they have golf tournaments and where they have curling <laughs> 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 they go with golf. That's uh,
0: unbelievable. Course, yeah. You'll get on a curling podcast here and they'll ask him the same question and be like, well, you know what? Yeah. I can always golf. I'll go, go with the curling. <laughs> um, what, what, Kind of along the same lines. Um I was gonna say better atmosphere, but they're probably different atmospheres. The Briar or the Masters?
3: Yeah, they are kind of apples and oranges. Yeah, uh, they I, are. I, I might have to go I might have to go with the Briar in that one. It's yeah. uh, you know, if you've if you've never been to the Briar Patch, you should make that a career destination or a, a one of those bucket list kind of things. It is so much fun. Now I gather it's changed. I haven't been in the last couple of years, but changed a little bit but uh but it's uh it's a ton of fun and you know when you go to the actually i was going to say when you go to the briar patch you generally are going to see some of the curlers who are actually competing in the briar patch right and you don't generally see the uh the the players down at uh the the bar or something (laughs) especially not the masters week. friday friday night you do because after they've missed the cut you see a few of them out there (laughs) but uh yeah the atmosphere at the briar is pretty good uh, I know that they, they hosted the the Scotties here. Um,
0: they called I was them. there for that. Oh, were you there? Okay. I think they hosted yeah. them twice. But anyway, and I never just remember that it was all down at the uh, East Link or the Civic Center. And uh, they had, you know, what did they call it? The, uh Anyway, heart stop
3: lounge was called you know
0: exactly what i'm talking about uh that's exactly what it was called and yeah i mean all the players would come in after their matches and you'd be mingling with them and i, I thought yeah. that was that was fantastic so i was kind of hoping you were gonna say the briar in that in that <laughs> question the, the scotties that
3: the scotties that year there was a on the sunday night there was a huge storm a huge winter storm and i got uh, i got stranded in pei uh for about three days that was like that was like winning the lottery for me
0: i was gonna say (laughs) that's rough (laughs) yeah you
1: you mentioned uh earlier in the podcast that a vacation for you might not be on the golf course because if you do it every day it's not so much a vacation so what's your ideal vacation is it you and bob mckenzie up at the cottage uh with uh look overlooking the lake or what's your vacation look like
3: (laughs) My, uh, the last, uh, I'd say three of the last five years, my son and I have flown uh, way up into Northern Ontario, about a four hour drive from Thunder Bay to a fishing camp. And we fish for muskies oh, and musky lunch. you know, the cell phones don't work and you got to get away with it for you. <laughs> yeah. And it is actually pretty amazing. And it's a great time for my son and I to kind of spend, my son doesn't play golf, so we don't go on golf vacations. Although I golf with my dad, uh, who still, he's just about to turn 89 in a couple of weeks and uh, we still play once a week at home but uh yeah i go up and do that a fishing trip for me or the other thing we did we've gone um, a couple of years ago we went and did uh, we retraced tr- my grandfather's steps from the first world war we did a battlefield tour 100%. so he fought in all these places like vimy ridge and passchendaele and so we went and did a tour around that so i like a lot of history yeah. history or fishing something's connected with those two i'd go to that's
0: unreal well we'll let you get back to doing whatever it is that you're doing um and uh, hopefully get some fishing in here in the next little while once the uh, lockdown ends but uh bobby i can't tell you how much it was a pleasure uh, talking to you today and meeting you and thank you so so much for joining us uh for for this chat
1: really want to appreciate you coming on the show and uh no had a great time
3: yeah. Well, I, I I didn't mean, I wasn't joking around when I say I love Prince Edward Island and uh, hopefully someday when all this is done, I'll may, may even end up in, out there. And uh, if we do, uh, even when you, when this thing finally gets finished, I can, can't can wait to get out there. Maybe we'll tee it up.
1: We could film an Asante wealth management commercial from Belvedere.
3: We did one from Crowbush. <laughs> okay. I remember
0: seeing you and Terry on there, having it up. Yeah. There's probably a few beers afterwards, I'm sure. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: Well, thanks very much, Bob. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Bob. All right, we're back. Oh, my. What that, a grace. That was, I don't, I uh, thank you very much again, Bob, yeah. for the 100,000th and fourth time. <laughs> um, and uh, I think we did pretty good in the interview, though, buddy.
1: I think so. I uh, guess we talked about. Uh,
0: I was nervous for that one as I was well, for probably the Lori dude, one. So. We've never done this right. before. So, <laughs> you know, to have someone like that on, I mean, and like I said before, I mean, you knew Mike Gligic, uh, and, and I, you know, I know Lori and, you know, Rick Young, you know, um, he was absolutely great and it was sort of the same thing though. I felt like with Rick, I was very nervous. Um, and you know, we prepared and all the rest of it, but, um, you know, to have Bob on like that was just that he just made it so smooth, so easy to talk to. What a but, great guy!
1: But I think the other reason too is that if we were interviewing someone we didn't know and they were a sports guy or they were uh, in business or something, it's different. But when you're interviewing someone and they're in this business of yeah. media and journalism and I think that's yeah that's I thought about that a lot.
0: <laughs> so to to let people know, like we knew we were going to interview. <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. So we knew we were going to interview Bob and uh you know a couple of weeks ago and we were keeping it under wraps and a couple of people knew that uh were close friends of mine that i that i let them know because they tell me ask me about the pod all the time and uh but then i started really thinking about it as the days were coming close i'm like this guy makes a living interviewing people and we're interviewing him right was it so anyway he was he was gracious us after we, we thanked him and he said that we did a pretty good job so
1: yeah we he was uh he mentioned like you guys do your research, and I think that's the key is, you know, get to know the guests a bit a before they bit. come on and just so you have uh, a bit of background on them anyway, like and I said.
0: Yeah, and we, I mean, spoiler alert, this is hopefully going to land us some big guests Whoa. coming up too, <laughs> we think. Anyway, so, you know, just, uh, you just stay tuned, audience. Um, yeah. But speaking of Gligic, uh big weekend for him. Yep. Um, <laughs> we didn't bet money on him, but he, uh, what was it, T21?
1: uh t 26 yeah.
0: 26 okay um but um smooth 40 grand yeah no big deal pretty good weekend um and he yeah at one point you know, he was tied for 15th um and uh anyway wish he had a better sunday but still
1: i was surprised how low the score was for, for that course that course is notoriously uh yeah t- tough and to finish at 17 under was the winning score that's pretty yeah. low for that's right for yep. a, a tough golf course like that.
0: That's right because eighteen under was the record because I remember watching it and, they, and then he bogeyed the last hole mm-hmm. um, for for the seventeen. But that was pretty cool to watch Sam Burns win that um, and then uh, and Glidic uh, obviously you know kicking butt. But uh, you know I, I do think that we gave little Mike Weir the the old uh, yeah island, island green bump.
1: The premonition uh, we had talked about that like Lenny had mentioned we did that interview on thursday of last week just kind of the day before i guess the tournament started so we couldn't divulge that we had thought mike was going to pull through Uh, but uh like i said he ended up doing it so if anybody wants to win on tour
0: (laughs) head on head on to our podcast (laughs) (laughs) but speaking of that now we can we can we can ask this so who do you think is our like white whale as far as you know podcast guests I, mean, I don't think most podcasts
1: talk about this. Stuff, are we talking? But, yeah. Are we? Are we being realistic, white whale, or yeah, exactly, forever no. white whale? I think.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if you're talking about, well, yeah, it'd be nice to nice to yeah. interview Tiger Woods. What, what's here, he doing so, next week? <laughs> he's not doing much. let <laughs> to send out a feeler. Yeah. Um, but I think when we started this, and I think we're talking like way down the road, if we were ever to get, I think I said Mike Weir. I
1: think we both agreed
0: that. Mike, if you get Mike Weir on a Canadian golf podcast. Yeah, such as this and and all of that. Um, But anyway, no, I was just, I think that, I think we both kind of agreed on that. But now it's like, geez, if we we can get him, we (laughs) might get Corey Connors, you uh, know, like one of these guys. Anyway, so, uh, fellas, if you're listening to this, don't be afraid to come on. What about a
1: round table with uh, Corey, Mac Hughes, Hadwin, Pendrith?
0: I think we're doing, I, I think, think we're helping everyone out by doing these. So speaking of uh, Mike uh, Glickick, a uh, little, little karma note here. Um, because he had such a great weekend, I wanted to throw out, there was something that I followed and I'm trying to remember at the top of my head where I found it. It was on Twitter somewhere. Um, the Monday, Okay. Remember the the account there with the fella that made the PGA Tour? He missed the cut. Um, we talked about it last yep. week. So the same Twitter account, I think it's like Monday Q School Info or something, Q yep. School. In, uh, Q Monday Qualifier Info, something like that. Every so often that account sends out a request um, or like if he gets in some information, he'll retweet it or whatever. And there was like a high school um and uh, obviously you know like so many high schools in the in in the states they don't have a lot of money especially for funding for golf tournament you know golf teams and stuff so anyway he threw threw it out there that you know there's a team that would love to have you know some equipment and such and i don't know the capacity or what was donated but michael gligick did something because there was a screenshot and this is a U.S. you know uh, high school team or whatever. Yeah. There's a screenshot of the text messaging from this Q school tweet guy, and the high school coach. And the high school coach is asking, "Who was that pro?" Um, you know, whatever. And he said Michael Gligic. So again, I think in true Canadian style, he probably doesn't want to brag or doesn't want to throw anything out there. But uh, he did something. And uh, good on him because, you know, I'm a big karma guy, and uh, it looks like uh, karma paid off on the weekend. Wouldn't
1: surprise me. He's a good, he's a good character. I yeah. wonder if, like, when travel's allowed to open yep. and you can go to a guest, do you think that makes it more apt to have
0: them on the show? Probably less so for our show. <laughs> Probably less. Uh, you're coming here? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm busy. If we're just hanging over the ropes at a
1: tour event with our mics and our headphones, being like, "Hey, hey, Island Green,
0: anybody got a few?" Our, our five second interviews. That should be a new segment. Um, you you mentioned your hole in one story, and it got me got me thinking. Um, what is the most that you have heard of or been in sort of close contact with that? To win like in a hole in one? Have you ever like that R eight? Obviously, you that never went. No,
1: no. I think it was the one at uh, the old fiasco at Belvedere a couple years ago. The um, the Holland College. Uh, Jeff Reddy. Yes.
0: Jeff Reddy won it. And they had it, it on the wrong was, hole. I think it was thirty grand. Yeah. And because uh, I was gonna say that that's, that's up there too for me. I was thinking. He got a hole-in-one, I think, on number seven, and they had a, they had the insurance all messed up. Yeah. And I think... But anyway, they came clean. Yep. Yeah. Or they came... Uh, what do they call it? Came, came good. Made him whole or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what the hell the thing is, but... He made a
1: hole, they, and they made, they made
0: him whole. Yeah, but it was, <laughs> what are <laughs> the chances you go through the trouble of getting the insurance, and yeah. it screwed up, and then somebody gets a hole-in-one. Oh, man. Anyway, no, that was kind of the same one. I don't remember... I don't remember too many stories of people getting. Usually, it's like a ten thousand dollars thing yeah, or something like that.
1: The premiums aren't crazy for like ten and twenty thousand. I don't believe, but when you start getting up into the hundreds of thousands or the million, the insurance premium, even for one day on the whole, is, is pretty great. pretty high.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> rightfully so.
1: Um, we, speaking of Belvedere. Yep. So this probably won't be the first time or the last time we have to apologize <laughs> on the podcast, <laughs> but uh,
2: yeah. So,
1: Just have to apologize to Jeff for the enormous <laughs> amount of work we put on his shoulders uh, last week after our episode aired.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> he sends me a message because God loved me. I think he listens to a couple of the episodes and he's like, yeah, thanks a lot, Len. Now I'm getting all the members are wondering when the dues are going up <laughs> to $3,600 or when yeah. you're putting in a mandatory bar tab. Yeah. But thankfully he listened to it. And if any of you people that are listening that are ones that gave him a little bit of hell for it, this is our opinions, and I even <laughs> said that before. Yes. Listen, you know. It was be... a lot of ifs, and what do you think? Yeah, it was what just would my happen. own personal opinion on what yeah. I think should happen, and I certainly, I I have no say at what goes on in Belvedere, and I'll tell you, I, I feel for the guys. They're putting in a new, they're putting in the Chrono Golf um, uh, system. They're, I think they used to have T-On, I think it was, and they, oh, man, they're just... Going to a new system, and you know you have to have all your members up to speed and all that kind of stuff. I don't envy them a little bit. I know there's been emails going around, and I know that they're having some like migration issues and stuff like that. And um, anyway, they're going to get it worked out. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're bitching and moaning, don't be a pigeon and just chill out. They are going to take care of you. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. It's first of May, for God's sake. Um, And the funny thing was, uh, the day
1: after that episode aired, uh, an article came out that a golf course in Atlanta, Canada is going private. Fox Creek over in Moncton, or Dieppe, I guess, um, decided this year that they were going to move to strictly private, members only. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know the due structure, if it went up or not, but it's a small membership. They're only taking 360. So, to me, that's a a pretty small membership.
0: Yeah, Um, that is small.
1: Now, they are pretty known as, you know, them and Royal Oaks are the two yep. cream of the crops kind of over in that area. Yep. Um, but uh, the article I read, obviously, I, I haven't spoken to Louis Melanson, the GM, about it, but he said they just went to this model. They're going to try it out, and make it a community-based kind of uh, of golf facility. Mm-hmm. Um, the restaurant's still going to be open to the public, but, uh, yeah, so there's a test case, I guess. We'll see how... I was just surprised that 360 members doesn't seem like a lot. So to me...
0: Maybe they maybe they listened to the podcast last yeah. week. They said, all right, 360. But buddy. I mean, what
1: would the dues have to be at 360 to make it financially feasible? No idea. Then if either. they throw
0: an in- initiation fee in there, I have, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. It's a beautiful course, so I love it over there.
1: But we'll see what happens. But like I said, apologies to Jeff, although we didn't really do anything. But I didn't. I don't like to make more work for him.
0: Uh, I'm also going to apologize to Dave Boland for taking a lesson on the oh, short game. Oh, that's right. Did he quit week.
1: teaching after it was over? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so as I was telling it, well, I'll tell everybody that listens. Obviously, I like to talk. But uh, that is like the one thing that I am struggling with at current pace. The cap is at like a point .8 right now, and um, it's close. But the problem is if I get in the sand... Like, look out on the other side because I'm blading everything. And uh, then my pitch shots from, like, 60 to 80, they're not getting close. Like, those are supposed to be scoring opportunities. And for me, it's like, get it on the green and just get out of here opportunities. So, anyway, if I get any closer than that, I'm just one-handing it. It's no problem. (laughs) But, uh, anyway, no, I went out to – it's kind of funny how it worked because I went out there and I practiced. um, And I think I mentioned this before is that I went out and I was blading everything under the sand. And I said, you know what? Dave's right there. I'm just going to book a time to, to go see him. So I went, and actually, I think the next day. And it was, um, God, it was supposed to be like a 45-minute lesson. He ends up taking about an hour. Uh, he uses his iPad. And, you know, like the guy is good. He's so good. And he's good at communicating. And he's got the iPad there to reinforce, you know, like to, so you're, you're not, you know, he's not just blowing smoke up your ass. Um, the, the, the real issue, I mean, I kn- there was a couple of things that I was like, damn, okay, cool. But the issue is, and with most most things with the short game, it's such a feel thing, right? And you know, you you're using the same club from say forty yards to seventy yards. Like, there's no you know real technical thing there. You just need to feel that out. And um, anyway, so are you? It's have, is that was that your first golf lesson? It it's been that was probably my first lesson in. Over ten years. Okay, so
1: I don't. You might not even know the answer to this, but maybe it'll make you think about it. So, would you consider yourself uh, a visual learner? So, if you watch somebody chip sh- chip, mm-hmm. can yep. you emulate that? Are you uh, as a, opposed oh, s- to what? As it opposed is. to the other, the other two types would be someone who um, reads about it. So if you read a manual on how to chip properly... and it Definitely to hands, not like, reading. Okay. Not my forte. So are you a, a visual... So you, don't, you need to see somebody do it, and then you would kind of replicate it? Or are you the type of learner that likes to l- just learn on your own? Like someone, someone tells you how to do it.
0: Well, I mean, since that was my first lesson in 10 years, and I think I've only taken two in my life, I would have to think that I'm a guy that... Like, I love messing around. Like, I remember when I was uh, playing out of Rustico... And when I started, you know, say slicing the ball, you know how you start slicing and then you move to like a hook? <laughs> well, w- when I was doing that and I was in the middle of that, I would basically, if I started slicing it all the time, I would then go to an intentional hook. I would try to hook the ball. And then it's just a matter of finding the in-between there, right? Okay. You know, for the most part. And that's what I did for the long, and that's how I kind of learned to golf for, you know, whether that's right or wrong or indifferent, but... I think for me, um, you know, seeing what I'm doing, you know, like, for example, just like I was taking, even for these pitch shots, like I was taking it way inside on the on the, on the backswing. And um, when I was doing it one handed, I was showing him that and it was like perfectly on plane, like back and forth. So it's like that to me is a very visual cue that there's the one of the big differences between what I'm doing, because it's it's sickening that I can just chip away for an hour one-handed without with making perfect contact using the bounce I put my second hand on there and I blade every single one of them
1: you would be it's weird I don't think you'd be surprised and no one would be surprised to say that when you film somebody's golf swing yep say say you film their practice swings and you show them on video like all right yeah looking good yeah and then you follow them around on the course and you snuck up behind on, say, well, a random hole or a yeah, random tee yeah, shot yeah, yeah, and you yeah. got a, and you film them from behind, the view from behind. I do
0: think you that. I think you can just do it right on the range. Yeah, like, right
1: on the range. When they're actually hitting the ball and then they came around to kind of where your iPad is, you say, okay, here's yeah. your swing. <laughs>
0: a lot of them are going to say, no, no, that, that was, I didn't do that. Like, well, it's, yeah, it's yeah, on video yeah. here. The it's difference like, between your practice swing and your actual swing. And, uh, you know, and that's, I think that has a lot to do with what I'm talking about because, you know, when you're practice swinging, it's the same as going to the range and then going to the course. Like when you're at the range, you've got a thousand balls there to, to hit. You know, you hit one bad one. No big deal. And a wide open go. farmer's field. Pretty much, <laughs> you know. And that's why I I really appreciate the boys were at Green Gables the other day and there was nobody behind us. So um 18, when we were done, I went into the I went into the trap and I took a couple extra swings on the trap. And uh, I really appreciated that because you, I was on the course mm-hmm. and it was like, it's a little bit more real when you're there. Yeah. and um, And that's what, Like I said, I mean, that to me is what I got to do because to me, I think it's a lot upstairs. It's up there. I just got to just got to get the right swing thought. And actually, speaking of this, I know we're going on a little bit about the lessons here, but what would you say that you do the best in your golf swing? My swing? Like in your best, like, do you think, uh, what's your best thing about your golf game? Is it your putting, your chipping, your irons, your driving? My, iron, fairway my iron play. Your iron play, right. So when you're over your irons, oh, I think we talked about this before, what, what, is, what do you think about? Uh, I,
1: I'm i confident. When I'm standing over my irons, I'm thinking I'm going to hit a good shot here. I never stand over an iron shot wondering, oh, God, you know, am I going to hit this good? I'm thinking I'm going to hit this solid on the face, yeah, straight or whatever I want. I can work it any way I want. That's what I'm thinking. And like, as soon as I get the driver in my hand, I go... Please, 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 don't don't (laughs) go right. Right?
0: so Please get in play. My thought is, and I I, I mean, it's not just a thought. I think I share this with a lot of people out there. The things that you're good at and you're confident at, you don't think about the actual swing. So for example, like I get up there with a driver. I get up there with an iron right now. I get up there with a putter. All I'm thinking about with putting, for an example, is wait in line. Like I'm not thinking about, what's my grip? What's my tension like on the grip? What, how are my feet lined up? Is the ball too far ahead? I'm not thinking about any of that. And it's kind of the same with the irons. You know, like right now, I've got a, you know, nice swing and a, a, that I got going on. And I am, when I get up there, I'm, I'm looking at the, the lie, obviously. And I'm looking at how far I got to go. And I'm like, okay, I got to hit, you know, whatever distance I got to hit. And and I'm thinking, okay, now just take it back and swing it. And <laughs> but when I get into pitching in sand right now because I'm struggling, I'm thinking, okay, wait forward, get, okay, I'm going to hit behind, $5 bill behind the sand, you know, and don't take it outside you because know, Dave, you know, take me and I got inside on swing here, so don't do that. Like all of these things that have nothing to do yeah. with putting that ball. So, but because I'm struggling with it, that's what I'm thinking about. So that's why golf is so tough and it's ass backwards. And it's like, that is what i'm trying to figure it out so uh all these pros i gave i went to bat for you a little bit with the pros and and the gms trying to get you to to your days off there to go play the tournaments somebody out there say take me as a challenge (laughs) (laughs) and and, and let's go (laughs) that's
1: why the, the other reason you just said though it's like that's why it's so ass backwards and we hate this game and then let's go play tomorrow
0: I will play every day of the week. (laughs) I'll play every day of the week. So Yeah, let's go into our picks for for this week's um, Wells Fargo. By the way, shout
1: out to CoolBet.com, Green (laughs) 100s.
0: Yeah, I know. We're kind of broken record. Uh. But uh, obviously, the gambling picks are brought to you by CoolBet. Definitely use Green 100. If you haven't made a deposit yet and you're listening this far to this, um, they're they're nice enough to be our only sponsor. Looking for more. Um, But – yeah, and everybody's having a great time with the cool bet, except Nick because all he does is send me oh videos of his, his losers. But um, you didn't cash any last week, zero. I cashed Keegan Bradley, top ten. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it was paying my, my the best odds. It was six point five, um, and so I bet ten bucks, made sixty five. That uh, made a profit last week, which is great because my NHL picks were shit. <laughs> so, um, but this week, okay, let's go with your top twenty pick. Joel Damon. Oh, nice pick! I like that guy. Won earlier,
1: and uh, I think he has a good track record this course. So,
0: um, because we are film uh, filming, we're recording this on Monday. Uh, we don't have the odds yet, but uh, these are these are going to be our picks without the odds, and I will tweet them out tomorrow when we. Uh, when we release and I'll, I'll tweet the odds as well in case anybody likes following along obviously follow me because i'm actually the one making money and betting money <laughs> yes. but um the wells fargo so uh i've got for my top 20 this should be a shoe in and a kick in is Corey connors didn't have a great week last week i mean but it wasn't bad made no the, made the cut um i finished i think in five under yeah like he, he even i think on yeah Sunday. could just didn't seem to get to get uh, that good, that great round. Of, uh, pretty steady, though. So he's my top 20 pick. Who's your top 10? Uh, Tommy Fleetwood. Oh, Tease Hackers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay. Tommy, 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 Tommy. You know who my top 10 is? I'm, I really want to see the odds. Again, this is cool because I don't know what the odds are, so these are strictly based on Bryson DeChambrough. Oh, okay. The odds won't be great for a top 10. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. But, um, you know, obviously I'm going to make more than my money back on yep. it. So that works for me. I just think that it's, he's kind of been quiet for a little bit. While. Hasn't played a whole lot. He's ready for, uh, for, uh, for, a, for a bomber's paradise.
1: I'm going with top five. Not playing his best. But there's no time to turn around like now. Rory McIlroy.
0: Wow. Okay
1: he's the all-time uh m- money winner at this golf course. And he
0: won a major here. That's a pretty good. That's pretty good research there. That's 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 a good. That's a good pick. Yep. Uh I'm going with the hot hand, the young fella, the skinniest man on tour. <laughs> I'm going with Wills. Uh, now, Will, you just got engaged, but so don't make that affect your play. <laughs> get out there. And, uh, you need money you know, for the
1: honeymoon, go get a W.
0: Honest to God, yeah. Th- I've got to pay for the ring, you know, and all of those things. So Will Zalatoris is my top five pick. Uh, so, nice. uh, yeah, I'll be tweeting those Oaks. They're a little bit easier to follow alongs. But uh, I guess that wraps it up for this week, buddy.
1: Yeah. Uh, some golf talk, some uh, great interview
0: with an amazing guest. Legend. and Hall of Famer times two. <laughs> Times more than that because he's in these, some of these. That's cities right. uh, Hall of Fames as well, um, and and friend of the island as well. Like every like he played here all the time. And
1: and I hope and I do hope that when a lot of these people that we've interviewed these guests come back to PEI for the visits, like we've we got a lot of games lined up. We got to play with Laurie. We got to play with Bob. We got to play with Morgan. We got to play with of these happen. Rick. Yeah. Like we're gonna have a quite a summer of golf here if we can get them here to PEI. For sure. May 21st, Island Green Challenge is coming up. Just throw that in there. Yep. Colliding tides. Our team is ready. Len's seen them in action.
0: I have seen it. That was a great pickup by you, (laughs) I think, by the way. But anyway. All right. Okay, guys. Well, uh, have a good week, and we will talk to you next week.